everybody. Happy Thursday. Welcome into Concrete Jungle, a New York baseball podcast here on FingerLakes1.com. Paul Russo, Kyle Evans here as well, as always. Um, look, frankly, there's one thing, again, the past few days has really pushed home for me. The fact that baseball, the weirdest sport on the planet. Um, and we'll, we'll jump into that, right? Mets get a big series win over the Cubs. The Yankees get a series loss against the wayward White Sox. Uh, Rochester and Syracuse have split so far. Um, before we go any further, I do have to apologize. I saw a little bit of Novocaine going on from dental work this morning, so might be slurring the S's a little bit today, but uh, we'll battle through. That's what we do around here. So, uh, Kyle, same thoughts, probably a little bit to a degree, I'd assume, for you, uh, the way I kind of feel about uh, the past few nights of of baseball for the New York teams. Yeah, really, the only thing that's going on right now with the Yankees is they're just shaving off games on the season. They're not gaining ground. They're continuing to make the same mistakes on the field. Uh, You know, the pitching has not been good. The offense has not been good. Boone's getting thrown out. Like, just nothing really going on with this team. And, I mean, 47 games left, and I think a lot of fans are kind of ready for it to be over, including myself. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a weird one, and we'll actually jump into kind of a little bit of all that, oddly enough, uh, for the Yankees. The Mets probably come up with us for a better three games, maybe collectively. Um, we'll jump into a couple of different things with them as well because uh, for them, it's almost like, I, I don't know, they're, we kind of know what they are at this point, and um, I don't think there's there's not a ton now post all-star or post trade deadline with them where it's, you know, there's a lot of talking points. We kind of got through it. Now everything's kind of settled. The dust is cleared for them a little bit and they're playing decent baseball here so far to start the week. Uh, overall anyway. Yeah. And a big part of that is Pete Alonzo. Um, homered in three straight games. Now it's kind of homering early on in these games where it's kind of getting the offense going a little bit. The pitching's been better. The bullpen's been a little better. Um, Adam Montavino struggled a little bit the past couple nights, but for the most part, they're getting um, strong performances on both ends, and that's what they lacked all year. When one thing's clicking, the other isn't clicking, and finally they're both clicking. Yeah. So that was good to see on their part. Yeah, definitely. So uh, before we go any further, I think a couple of our sponsors, including Dr. Jeffrey Halstead, DMD. Dr. Jeffrey Halstead has been Canada's hometown dentist for more than 35 years, offering routine dental care as well as cosmetic dentistry, implants, and dentures by their highly trained and experienced staff. Visit them online at CandigoDentistry.com or find them on Facebook and Instagram today. And, excuse me, Lincoln Hill Farms. So go on out to Lincoln Hill Farms Saturday, September 16th. It's a little bit far out, but mark it on your calendar from 1 to 6 p.m. for Oktoberfest on the farm. Enjoy German-style food, beer, live music, and a Steinhoist contest with plenty of fun fare. Get more information and tickets online at lincolnhillfarms.com today. Like I said, September 16th from 1 to 6 for that. I know it's a little far out, but you can never start planning too, too early for stuff like that. So let's begin with the Mets today. Uh, as I mentioned, take the series victory against the Cubs, 2-3. to three. And, you know, overall, you kind of started with it there, Kyle, a little bit, and I think we can kind of piggyback off it. Pete Alonso got the series going with a, um, how can I describe it, a 42-degree launch angle home run that usually 
like they said on the broadcast, and I do agree with, usually those are pop-outs in this day and age. But for him, it kept carrying, kept carrying, and certainly set the tone for the series. And in the series wrap-up last night on Wednesday, kind of was the punctuation mark in a way, uh, given how the game played out and everything. But uh, for Pete Alonso to kind of um, just leave the mark the way he did on the series, it's pretty big because I know a lot of the Mets stuff right now probably isn't, too too much offensively focused for the topics we usually discuss and to be honest with you we are going to discuss the pitching here obviously for them as well through the series but you know for for Pete where we were kind of discussing you know the past couple weeks really and really I guess mainly this past week since we got through the trade deadline right about who's kind of going to maybe step up a little bit here we kind of were hoping for maybe Lindor uh, somebody else in that line right but ends up being at least in this three-game run, Pete Alonso. Yeah, he was definitely the biggest offensive contributor, but Jeff McNeil did homer yesterday. That was good to see. That's a guy that I mentioned Monday that needs to really get going here. Um, Brandon Nimmel's chipped in a little bit, and then the guys that have been called up have, have been chipping in as well. So it's it's good to see that things might be finally turning the corner. Um, obviously, they're not going to make the playoffs. We all know that. I mean, I guess they're not mathematically out of it, but it's a long shot. So at this point, you know, you just try to win as many games as you can. And um, I think they just had a really good series against a team that came in scoring plenty of runs. We know what they did against the Reds prior to this series. Um, Cody Ballinger's having a great year. Jimer Candelario, it's a good offense right now. Um, so that was encouraging to see. I think they outscored them like 21 to 10, if I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they, they it wasn't really a close series, um, except yesterday the game was close. In the end, because the Mets bullpen had trouble there. But, yeah, I, I think if you're a Mets fan, yeah, you know you're not doing much this year. But that was a fun series to watch. Yeah, and I mean, you could kind of tell, I think. I don't know about maybe necessarily going into the series in particular, right? But the vibe almost, in a way, after Pete hit his first home run on Monday it's about as loose as I've seen the dugout in a long time, to be honest. And I don't know if the mindset for them now is right. Like, we don't have anything to really obviously lose at this point, right? They'd have to make up a week's worth of games in the wild card side of things, right? And, right, and Kyle, like you said, I mean, mathematically they're there, and, and it's baseball as, as we come to learn, right? Crazier things have happened, but, you know, odds are, right, probably probably not looking great for the playoffs at this point, obviously. But, you know, you can always build for next year, and I think this is maybe a good stepping stone spot for the, for the Mets in this space, right, is you get Pete continuously going like that. You get the guys like McNeil on the right path to, to kind of get going a little bit. And who knows? And you mentioned, right, the young guys, and we'll, we'll jump into something with that a little bit as well here in a, in a minute, but you're right. You know, the guys brought up from Syracuse that, that some more so than others that we've been waiting on, others less so, step up to the plate. Um, switch over here for a quick second. I want to talk about their pitching because at least this three-game sample size, I thought was probably the best that they've collectively been all year. Um, start off strong, obviously, with Kodai Senga starting on Monday. Lost track of time there for a minute. Um, transition over to 
say Carlos Carrasco, um, and he said he, he had to tweak his mechanics, and it kind of looked like it worked out really well um, to even the bullpen. And I know there's a lot of, I guess, positivity surrounding this, and we probably should, but like Phil Bickford in his first tough spot as a Met reliever steps up and gets a, his, I think it was actually technically a second career save. Um, so I thought collectively overall the whole pitching unit I thought did really well. Obviously Tuesday, maybe results-wise it's not there, but beggars can't be choosers at some points, right? I think in the grand scope of it, the way we're looking at it, at least at the moment, the past three games have been probably the three best pitching outings as well collectively through the whole staff that we've seen maybe not all year, but certainly in the past maybe month, month and a half, two months. Yeah, and yesterday uh, David Peterson didn't go too deep into the game, but – um, he still pitched pretty well, and I think I read on after the game that he has like a 2.55 ERA in his last 15 appearances. Yeah. So, you know, he's not throwing as many innings as you'd like, but he's still giving you quality innings, and that was big too. Uh, to, you know, hand it over to the bullpen, and the bullpen um, closed it out. Um, like I said, Ottavino did struggle a little bit, but that was the only uh, the only run the bullpen gave gave up over that. Um, what was it five five ish innings? So, yeah, I like I said, I think this was a really good series for the Mets. However, their upcoming series yeah. is going to be a lot more tough. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, we'll jump into that here, obviously, in just a sec. Um, you know, I found it pretty interesting, and I think maybe we can kind of maybe tie a little bit up here as well before we kind of move on. Um, you know, I think to a degree – we kind of maybe have to shift even the expectations again for this team moving forward the rest of the year. Now, do I think, and maybe this actual upcoming series against Atlanta, right, is a bad example because it's a four-game series, right? There's a doubleheader on Saturday, and not to not to jump too far ahead, right? I, I don't. I'm guessing neither one of us even expect a split here, right? I'm, more, more than likely, I'm not sure they even won a game. Okay, so. Take it, take it away from this weekend, right? You know, this is something I think the Mets can do the rest of the way is not obviously win every series. And maybe you don't even win, like, half your series left in that sense, right? But you're at least in it, and you have the opportunities present themselves for wins, right? Because it's apparent they can go up against – the Cubs, a team like the Cubs, where, yeah, they've surprised and everything, and, you know, they probably aren't necessarily as good as they are playing, but they are, as opposed to the Mets, who didn't play to as good as they were supposed to be. But you can go out there and you can get some of these where, to go back to a point I said at the beginning, right, you kind of build this momentum for 2024 with the guys who will be there in 2024. And maybe that's how things can transition over we've seen these timelines for these teams the past few years and look at this year like Cincinnati's timeline has shifted up a whole year Miami's timeline has shifted up a whole year you know so on and so forth that maybe it's not the Mets are planning for 2025 it's planning for 2024 midway through the year to be buyers at the deadline or something like that yeah um, even if they don't win games I still think you know individual results matter obviously Pete Alonso you know he still cares about homering and having a good year so 
you know, seven of their next 14 games are against the Braves. Obviously, it's the best team in baseball right now. Um, you know, you're not probably going to win the series, but at least at least fight, make the games close, at least be in them, be competitive. And I think that's what will steer this team in the right direction heading into next year. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I agree full 110% with you, Kyle. All right, so uh, the Mets, a couple of roster updates, news and notes for them. DJ Stewart was scratched. He was supposed to be in the lineup last night. Uh, but I guess he's been dealing with some wrist issues, and that was the official classification. Uh, so they figured give him the day off. Uh, possibly we might see him Friday or some way, shape, or form, but uh, nothing outside of just being scratched from the lineup yesterday just yet with him. On the other hand, Sari Marte placed on the 10-day injured list with a right groin strain, and he's already had an injection to that injury since being placed on the IL. Uh, this is a pretty, I would say, bad sign. Obviously, not a medical professional here, but he had a groin surgery in the offseason. It's never a good thing with these surgeries that in this like post-year of recovery where he's still playing, obviously, and everything like that, to have a strain. Um, this is something that he has dealt with before. We talked about it even last year on the podcast when he was dealing with groin issues and stuff like that. But um, for a guy who has kind of had these issues before, and it kind of seems like it's almost like a chronic thing right now with him. Uh, it's certainly not a good sign for, let alone the team, but the player. Yeah, this might be Marte's, I would say, worst season as a big leaguer. Definitely. In terms of results on the field and injuries. and Yeah, um, it's tough news. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll see him again this year. And, again, with like 47 games left, why push it? Just kind of, you know, shut him down for the year at this point, I would. And that's that's the interesting thing. I know they placed him on the 10-day IL, but they have no projected return date for him. There is no timeline yet for him. Now, obviously, timeline they might not establish, but the key part is there's no expected date back, and that's the key indication for what you brought up. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And I think he still has two years left on his contract. So um, I'm not sure what the Mets are going to do. Uh he just hasn't really lived up to expectations, it seems like, the last year or so. Um, so maybe there's a trade that eventually comes in his final year next year. Maybe at the deadline he's a piece that they move. Better an outfielder, better team would want. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure if he sticks out his contract with this team. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's intriguing when his bad is good. I mean, he could, in theory, DH for them, but... I, with all of his issues at this point, I, I don't know if he's an everyday outfielder for a team anyway. And he takes a spot away from a younger guy like Mauricio when he comes up. And, you know, you already got Nimmo, and it's just McNeil's been playing right field a lot. So, I don't know. I, I do think he could be moved at some point. I mean, we thought he was going to be moved anyway at this past deadline. So, yeah. All right. Kind of go back to something I alluded to earlier a little bit here. But Brett Beatty was optioned to AAA Syracuse. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's been struggling, but I just I, – I, the way this team is right now, and it did admittedly kind of, I think, kind of smoke out the beginning portion of the series against the Cubs for the Mets was, was him being optioned. Um, I'm not a fan of it. I think at this point you just kind of let, let, the, let, the have, let the kids play. I've been saying it all year, but – you know, I, I don't know what really sending him down kind of accomplishes. Yeah, he's probably going to get a couple more opportunities batting-wise to figure stuff out and everything, but 
I just, I, I would assume at this point, he's been up pretty much all year. Let him, let him finish this out and, and kind of see what, what, what you can do with him. Yeah, I after I heard the news, I dove into the numbers a little bit. I get kind of why they made the decision, but at the same po- time, like like you said, why not let him ride it out? And there was times where he wasn't in the lineup every day. I don't get why a 23-year-old wouldn't be in this lineup every single day. Um, so he was hitting 161 over his last 30 games. Big sample size, 15 for 93. Not great, but again, if maybe you played him every day, maybe he would finally get those consistent opportunities where he would you know go on a hitting streak and get going and it just seemed like when he had a couple hits or a home run the next day he'd be sitting and how how are you supposed to get a guy going doing that yeah so yeah he's gonna play every day now in triple a but how's that gonna do for his confidence he just got sent down now and he didn't even start the year with the team so he's probably like wondering like man what what am i gonna have to do to stick around and to get everyday playing time so I'm not sure if sending him down, obviously they're not going to call him right back up. So is he going to be back up this year? There's 47 games left. I'm wondering, like, what they're really thinking about him. And then, obviously, Mauricio's still not up. So it's like, what are what are they doing with their prospects? Uh-huh. They called up Alvarez, and he's stuck around, yeah. and he's hitting. So why are they not same, doing it with same, other? Same with Vientos. Yeah. So I, I don't understand it. Even Vientos. There's times where he's not getting everyday at-bats. Don't you want to see what your future looks like? Why are you giving, like, Vogelback at bats still every day? No matter what, Vogelback's in the lineup, it seems like. So, I don't know. The, the prospect management with this team right now is questionable. Um, but I guess I do kind of get where they were going because of the numbers. But still don't like it. Yeah. I I don't get it either. I don't like it either. It's, I don't know. Especially given, and I'm not knocking it here, but, you know, they recalled, you know, Jonathan Aruz. Um, and selected Ibrahim Amante's contract uh, to be called up. And I, I don't mean to knock Almonte, right, but, I mean, this is a career quad-A player pretty much at this point. I, I've jokingly called him the Red Sox legend at this point. But um, I just – and I get, like, right, positionally you got to have another outfielder up there with Marte going down and, and stuff like that. But, I mean – Go back to it. Maybe it's not Beatty, right? But, like, Mauricio's been playing outfield this year. That's one of the big things that why he's still apparently in Syracuse is to play outfield. Another golden opportunity to to have, frankly, see what your future is, and the Mets didn't take advantage of it, in my opinion. Yeah, this is really just a bizarre season with the whole, you know, record-wise, the trades, the prospect management. I don't know. It's going to be interesting offseason for yeah, sure. Definitely. All right, the Mets, as we alluded to, welcome the Atlanta Braves to City Field for four games. Obviously, not beginning tonight, but beginning Friday, doubleheader on Saturday. For the Mets, there's only one known pitcher. That's Tyler Magill. He will be going for tomorrow night, Friday. Everything else for both teams is to be determined at the moment because of uh, the Braves are still playing right now, and you never know what really might happen with pitching. <laughs> so, Friday night, tomorrow night, 7-10 first pitch on SNY or MLB Network, depending on your market. Game one on Saturday is a 1-10 first pitch, SNY or MLB Network, depending on your market. Game two on Saturday, 7-15 on Fox, and then Sunday, 7-10 on ESPN for Sunday night baseball. Yeah. 
I, I kind of already alluded to it. I think the Mets do get one, um, but good luck. I can't. Yeah, I mean, I can't see them splitting with Atlanta. I mean, especially I just got done on here saying on this podcast last week, you know, our late week edition, that to me, the Mets are or the Braves rather are the best team in the MLB, bar none. So, um, yeah, I think it's a tough spot for the Mets to maybe continue having and building that momentum a little bit that they got with the Cubs, but I just I just don't see it happening against Atlanta. Yeah, I'm going to take the Braves for a sweep. Wow. Um, I think the Mets pitching has been good this week, but that Braves offense is unbelievable. They lead the league in homers. Their uh, first innings uh, stats are unbelievable. They jump on teams early. I mean, they're up 4 nothing already in the Pirates. Matt Olson, 40th home run. So they're just a machine. They just hit and hit and hit. And they can be down five runs, and you know they're coming back. It's just right. an unbelievable team that they've built. And like we've mentioned before, all these young players that they have locked up for years to come, it's it's quite a storyline. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going – they're going nowhere in the sense of, you know, <laughs> out of people's hair, but that will happen. Like, they're locked up. All right, let's talk about the Yankees here dropping a series to the White Sox. Lost both series on the year to this wayward team. I don't know really kind of where to begin with them. Um, it's kind of a lot of repeat points as well with them at this point, but it's kind of whatever. I kind of want to begin, though, with the game yesterday and mainly Luis Severino again. Um, because I'm intrigued to hear your thoughts on this one, Kyle. This is something that neither one of us had discussed with each other. But, you know, the Yankees didn't know really what they were going to do with this third game that would have lined up to be Severino to start. They opt to go with the opener role, and they went with Ian Hamilton. And they decide Severino would be the one to come out and handle the bulk after Hamilton. And surprise... It's Severino's first inning that he pitches, not necessarily the first inning that once again proves to be a bit of an issue. Um, I kind of want to start here, though. Um, you have Nick Ramirez up, not to spoil our roster updates, but Nick Ramirez back up, and he's done the opening and starting before when necessary. Why not go with him? Um, I don't know. I, I didn't look it up. I didn't have time. I apologize. So the Ian Hamilton stands out there. But I, I, was this, like, his first career professional start, too? Like, I, I don't know. But, like, I just – it was a baffling decision, in my mind, to be completely honest. Yeah, um, especially because Ian Hamilton threw 10 pitches. And mm-hmm. Aaron Boone's post-game press conference was a joke again, as I would say most fans would agree with me there. Um, he said that – Ian Hamilton was not going to go a second inning because he wanted to keep him in play for Friday, and he did not want to bring today. and he didn't want to bring Severino mid inning if Hamilton got in trouble. That's the only thing I can somewhat agree with. Severino's already having right. a terrible year. You don't want him coming in with runners on base. I get. I that. agree with that. Yeah, yeah. But more than likely, Hamilton is getting through that second inning after only throwing ten in the first. And this is a White Sox team that is not great. So I don't agree with the decision that they did. At that point, if Hamilton's going to throw 10 pitches, just start Severino. Right. Because Severino's ERA is bad in every inning. 
It's just it's funny that they thought only the first inning has been the reason why he's struggling this year, and it's not. I mean, I, the stats back it up. He has an eight ERA in the third inning. It's like so on, so on, repetitive stuff. Um, so, yeah, stupid decision. I don't know how this guy can make another start in a Yankee uniform. Um, he keeps saying in his post-game press conferences that he's been one of the worst pitchers in the league this year, which he's certainly not wrong. Yeah. He leads every category, um, you know, in terms of negative stats. So, I know we've done this before, but at this point where it sits right now, something has to be done. And I, I, it goes back to obviously the stuff happening with Herman and sitting more or less idle at the trade deadline. Just to call it what it is, the Yankees sat idle, right? To not bring in a starting pitcher is mind-boggling to me. And I don't want to jump ahead here, but they designate Debbie Garcia for assignment. And I know he's been working on the bullpen this year, and I know he hasn't lived up to what he was hyped up to be, but he's 24. And to me, with all this stuff going on, I would at least have given him a shot. I mean, what else do you have to lose if you're the Yankees as a staff right now than to give Garcia that one last shot? Because he can't be any worse than Severino in my mind at this point, right? And I like I get it. Maybe this is a thing where it's like, well, if Luis Hill was still healthy, but he's not. He's not going to probably be back at all this year and it, it, just move on from it, right? But the fact that they've stuck with Severino at this point, and I think it's doing more harm than good to him at this point as well, just kind of mentally, it, it's kind of – it's frankly depressing kind of hearing him talk, to be completely honest at this point. It really is because you take the playing element outside of it, but, like, the human element in me is just like, this poor guy just is like, he, he, he's struggling to figure it out. And we've all been in that space before in our own, in our own lives in, in different circumstances, obviously. But the fact of the matter is this, this is a guy who is lost right now. And I don't know what he's, it needs to take to find himself, but – I think, you know, mentally, I would say get him some help in that space. I think mechanically and actually playing, I think they have to do the Manoa route. And or maybe even the Ronzi Contreras route with Pittsburgh. And you send him to your complex league and you send him down to the complex and you just kind of let him throw until something maybe clicks and you go from there. And I know... It might be just too late in the season to kind of do that, but I don't know what other option you kind of have. I, I don't know if you can go into this offseason allowing that to happen or allowing him to stay what he's doing to happen. Yeah, another thing that Boone said that makes zero sense to me is that they don't have a lot of options right now with Herman gone and, um, you know, uh, what am, I'm blanking. I'll roll down on the IL, um, but that's not true. Randy Vasquez has started three major league games and has a 1.170 ERA. He threw five shutout innings against Baltimore back on July 5th. Why isn't he earned another shot? And I'm sure you might go here a little bit, but I don't buy that there's just not options available. You have options. Johnny Brito was just up on your active roster. You could have kept him up. You know, and I get that there had to be some sort of corresponding move for Lois Saga to get brought back in. But I, I think there was probably another option available to probably do that. 
especially in the spot that you are, to at least keep Brito there. He's he's started. I haven't in my mind he hasn't been that bad. But I I I'm to to kind of piggyback off your other Boone points from earlier. I I call bull. I call bull. You have options in my mind anyway. Yeah, and another thing too that I wanted to get to is yesterday Boone spoke pregame like he always does. Everyone in the bullpen was available, but Michael King, who almost went three innings the night before. So you understand that. Yeah. So if the Yankees are taking things serious and trying to win games, then after Severino gives up three runs in the second and it's 4 nothing Chicago, why are you bringing him back out for the third inning? Correct. And he immediately gives up another run, and then it's 5 nothing. If you're taking these games in August serious, you would pull him with a fully rested bullpen and kind of just maneuver your way through to get through it. But they stick with Severino and it just kind of gets to the point where this offense couldn't make up the ground. They had opportunities, but it just doesn't seem like the Yankees take these games as serious where the fans the fans are calling out the moves that the manager should make or the team should make, and they just don't see it. Why would you bring Severino back out? He gave up three runs in the second. And you know, oh, another thing is he only threw six fastballs out of his 40-something pitches. Jack Curry said that on the post game. Uh, isn't that a sign he has no confidence? Right. Like, just, as you said, baffling decisions. And it's just funny that the fans are no better than it seems like the team does. Right. Like, uh, day off today and you don't, you don't go to the bullpen earlier? Right. Like, it just the game got out of hand and the offense can't make up, make up that ground right now. Yeah. Uh, before we get to kind of like the last main talking point I kind of want to do with the Yankees at this point, I do want to mention Boone uh, now in six ejections on the year. Uh, I believe it's he's up to 30, is it 38 now, something like that, 36 maybe. I don't know. I know it's in the 30s for career ejections. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, I get Laz was awful and everything like that, and I don't know if he was doing it from the fired-up side of things, but this was kind of the first one in my mind that I thought he was really looking like a complete idiot out there. Uh, to be honest, I don't know if that's just the way the team has kind of got him at the moment, but um, yeah, I, it was. It's one of those ejections, not for the ages type thing, but I'll make the highlight reel just because of what he did. But I, I wasn't a particular, particularly a fan of kind of the whole charade he did and how he more or less, frankly, backtracked on what he did afterwards. Have you seen the breakdown yet on John Boy Media? I have not seen the breakdown. Ah, well, Laz Diaz kind of said some personal things, I would well, say. That, but that's also, like, that's just known with Laz. Like, well, that's, that's I know, but I'm just kind of, like, saying that's why I, Boone. I know, I know. I'm, I'm just, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, you can go watch it after this. But, yeah, uh, basically Boone was just saying, you stink, you stink, and Laz Diaz kind of got more personal. And then he told Boone to draw the line bigger when he was – Drawing the line in the box, and I don't know. Yeah, I guess Boone also said though on Talking Yanks that they, he, when he was growing up, him and Laz were always close. So, you know, he wanted to shake hands yesterday and kind of move on, but didn't know if Laz would be for it. But yeah, I mean, you get Boone's frustration. So many calls out of the zone, but again, this team just keeps leaving runners on. They're finally getting runners on, and they just yesterday bases loaded, nobody out, and didn't score. I mean, that was just so predictable. Yeah. And I don't know. I actually am surprised that it's only six ejections. It seems like Boone's been tossed way more. Yeah. 
All right, uh, before we kind of wrap up the, all the other stuff, the Yankees, do I want to ask you this question, Kyle? Because to me, this team lives up to this billing. Especially, even the post, the late years of Girardi up to now, this Yankee team, which has pretty much the same core, to, to be honest, nothing's really outright changed outside of really the manager and a couple players here and there. They love playing to the level of their opponents. And I just, I think, I don't get Hal's confidence in Cashman. How that, and that's not even a discussion point I had for today because it's been so, it's been pushed like the back burner in my mind. Because obviously we have, we know Hal's going to have faith in Cashman. But Cashman has not done anything to change this team once again, as we know. But I don't get how the Yankees are as good as they are as playing the level of their opponents as they are. We, we, we see them come off a series where they split with Houston, and then they go into Chicago and just look like buffoons. It, it's kind of baffling to me. You know, this whole team is baffling, but, I mean, I, I guess that's just to be expected at this point because nothing's, like I said, in my mind, nothing has at this point changed since the late Girardi years, I guess, at this point. Yeah, so here's the series that the Yankees have lost. I saw this stat last night. They've lost two series of the White Sox, two series of the Red Sox, a series of the Cardinals, Rockies, Angels. That backs up your point perfectly. If you're a championship-caliber team, as Cashman and Boone continue to say, uh, you can't be losing games to these teams, and they've done that. And aside from the Royals and A's this year, they have a losing record, and their run differential is negative. Yeah. So how is that a good team? And how are we supposed to have hope, and how are we not supposed to be upset, and so on. So for me, it's a lost year. Um, this team's going nowhere. Uh, Cashman will be back. I guarantee it. Uh, Boone might not be back, but that doesn't matter. We're just bringing another manager that just listens to the front office and talks good about his players, and they'll just continue to be, you know, an average team yep. that maybe finishes above 500 and gets a wild card. Yep. No World Series, no championship caliber team. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so. I'm with you there. All right, so – Kind of already mentioned a few of these, so we'll, we'll probably still touch on them. But uh, we'll begin with DJ LeMay, who was in the lineup yesterday, Wednesday, but was scratched late with a right calf tightness diagnosis. I uh, said he felt something in batting practice. Uh, Boone said after they, he took I.O., but just didn't look or feel right. Um, so hopefully, especially with this day off, there's nothing Super serious outside of maybe a one-day thing, kind of like in the DJ Stewart realm for the Mets here. But uh, this is, a, in my mind, a, a, probably a little bit of a bigger concern given uh, the Yankees have clearly been dealing with people with calf issues all year, and um, especially in the infield. And I don't think the Yankees, for as up and down as LeMahieu's been this year, can really afford to lose him in the lineup. And he was actually starting to hit a little more, so... Yeah, losing him would be a problem for an offense that just uh, it's so hard to watch. Um, but, yeah, I do think it's probably not that serious. Carlos Rodon, the aforementioned, as we mentioned a few minutes ago, uh, was playing catch in Chicago and was throwing it up to 120 feet at certain points over the past couple of days. Uh, must, that tells me the Yankees are pretty confident that uh, he'll probably come off the injured list right away when he's available to in the Brave series, I believe, at yes. the end of it. Yes, so uh, I believe that would be the 15-day mark, and they retroactive it. So, yeah, I mean, 
I, I guess that's a, a pretty positive sign at this point that he's already doing that, and he's already even said that he feels like he probably could kind of go out and, and do his thing on the mound. Yeah, the thing is, even if he does, you know, come back in the minimum days, uh, I mean, he hasn't been that good. So I don't know. I don't know what to expect moving forward with him. He just, he's been walking a lot of batters. He just doesn't put away batters, and his pitch out gets too high, and I don't know. Yeah, just <laughs> tough, tough time right now. All right, I already mentioned, but Luis Saga activated off the injured list. Um, left-hander Nick Ramirez was recalled from AAA Grand Wilkes-Barre and Debbie Garcia. Designated for assignment. That pretty much wraps up the Yankees stuff uh, roster-wise. So uh, let's move on for them. So they head to Miami this weekend for three games against the Marlins. Um, this is going to be an interesting series for the Yankees. Uh, first pitch tomorrow, Friday, 640 on yes. To be determined for the Yankees against Jesus Lazardo for the Marlins. Saturday, 410 on yes. Or MLB Network, depending upon your market. It's Nestor Cortez against Sandy Alcantara. And then Sunday, 140 on yes, or MLB Network, depending upon your market, Garrett Cole and Yuri Perez. Two really good pitching matchups to close out the series. But the question mark comes tomorrow, and the Yankees don't know yet who will be pitching that game. Um, a lot of question marks. I had a lot of faith going into the White Sox series, and I think if they had somehow won the series, I'd be a lot more confident going into this Miami series predicting what will happen, but I'm not. Uh, I'm going to say the Yankees drop the series. I don't think they get swept. I think they win at least one of the games in there, right? But I have a question mark about what you're going to do on tomorrow night, Friday, for pitching. And, you know, the way the offense kind of goes here with them, who knows if they'll provide, whether it's Nestor or Garrett, what, what they need to, to kind of carry out and get a win. So I think they get one of three against the Marlins. Um. Damn. <laughs> Swept. Wow. Yep. Marlins haven't been playing too great as of the last few weeks, but Yankees offense—they can't win games. Also hasn't been good. Yeah. So, and Jesus Lazardo and Sandy Alcantara. Yeah, he hasn't pitched too well, but I mean, these guys are known to be pretty good pitchers and. The offense doesn't really matter who they're facing, it seems like. Yankees have shown that, you know, getting shut up, shut down by Jamison Tyone. We could go on and on and on. But, yeah, I think this is going to be a rough series, and it's going to be more rough if the Blue Jays continue to win. That'll yeah. put them possibly at 8.5 out by the end of the weekend, or at least 7.5 if they win one, which by then they'll have 44 games left. Yikes. Yeah, not, not ideal. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, before we get out of here, talk about Rochester and Syracuse quick. Both teams have split their series so far to start the week. For Syracuse, they're down in Scranton. And kind of the highlight for them so far comes from Tuesday start with Mike Vassell. Took a no-hitter into the ninth inning for the S-Mets. Uh, con convert it, but they did get the win there, 3-0. So that's a pretty big positive for a team that, Kind of all year, we, we you know, the main talking point of them has been pitching, and it's pretty apparent, at least with a couple of these guys like Vassal, that they've kind of found these guys they can kind of turn to a little bit. You know, and obviously AAA baseball is way different than the MLB when it comes to stuff like this, but baseball is baseball when it boils down to it. And when you can find guys you can rely on every five days that can go out there and do a job like that, they, they can carry momentum for the team. But, you know, especially when they're out on the mound, that you know, it kind of puts uh, the rest of the team at ease knowing that you have a good guy 
on the bump that you can trust. Yeah, I saw that the other night. I was like, wow, it's Scranton too. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Scranton's without a few players that probably could have ended that no-hitter a little sooner, a.k.a. Jake Rake Bowers, <laughs> <laughs> um, the guy that just tore up AAA. But, yeah, uh, that was impressive. Um, I'm surprised, uh, actually, he went that deep too. Uh, his pitch count was actually pretty good too. So, yeah, impressive performance. Yeah, for Syracuse as well, a couple of things to make note of here. Uh, they released Brendan Fryman, a shortstop. Uh, outfielder Lorenzo Cedroa was sent to single-A St. Lucie on rehab assignment. Right-hander Eric Orzi was placed on the seven-day injured list. Shortstop Cesar BC was assigned to Double A Bingham or assigned from Double A Binghamton rather. Joey Lucchese, rehab assignment with High A Brooklyn has started, and outfielder Tim LeCastro will be joining the team for rehab as well. Uh, in Rochester, a couple couple hecky opening games for them. They went on walk-off fashion Tuesday night, last night on Wednesday night, power night, and uh, they end up losing 14 to 13 as the final there. Uh, so tough spot for the Red Wings, but didn't really lose any ground standings-wise. Uh, just a couple eh, baseball's weird scenarios and a couple wacky games that Rochester finds himself split with Lehigh Valley so far. 27 runs last night. Yeah. And imagine being at that game. Um, but yeah, uh, they're playing. They're playing better than Syracuse has, and I'll say it. They'll finish the year above 500. Oh, I predicted this, that in the first half, <laughs> but I, I'm actually serious this right. time. I think the from what I'm seeing, they're going to do it this time. All right. They're I scoring have, a lot of runs. I have faith in you. They're scoring a lot more runs. It seems like. Yeah. I have faith in you for that prediction, Kyle. And Syracuse will finish with 20 wins. I have an update as well. The Charlotte Knights have not won yet this week. What's their win total? Six. <laughs> bold prediction. They finished with more wins than the Syracuse Mets. That is very bold. <laughs> <laughs> At least we can say Syracuse has gotten to double digits so yet, you know. Um, for Rochester, Carter Keyboom, Carter Keyboom was activated off the injured list, and poor right-hander Amos Willingham, one of the prospects, uh, he's been on the shuttle going back and forth here the past week. <laughs> Poor guy was sent back down at the end of last week, called back up to Washington to start the week, and has already been optioned back to Rochester. So Tough life. Jesus, I can only imagine. That's, I mean. Could have a worse job. Right, but I mean, I, the point still stands. I'm sure it's not fun just more or less hopping on a plane every day, not knowing for sure if he'll be back in another 48 hours the way he has been, I guess. <laughs> um, so that will take care of Concrete Jungle for today. We'll be back Monday. Unfortunately. Wow. Oh, you put it that way. Damn. Um, well, it's because I don't want to talk more about the Yankees losing, but hey, we can shift our focus to uh, the Mets, who are. I said they're going to get swept, but I'm thinking now they don't get swept. But the Yankees are getting swept. <laughs> A little buyer's remorse on your prediction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything for the weekend for you, Kyle? Well, I played baseball. Oh. Uh, the last couple nights. Maybe more of that. Um, and I don't know it's probably a quieter weekend um, not really paying attention to much baseball uh, as of late just over it tired understandable it's I a long you. season yeah hey the burnout is real the burnout is real nobody can deny that uh, so yeah I got baseball myself this weekend so did you guys win last night we did not we actually lost. We, are, we, are, we are have to win both on Sunday it wasn't a blowout 
5-0 we lost. Just damn it. Fundamentals. Fundamentals will get you every now and then. But yeah, that'll take care of it for Concrete Jungle then for today. Like, share, subscribe, all the fun stuff. And we'll be back on Monday to recap the weekend and any other news that happens for the Yankees, Mets, Red Wings, and S-Mets. So have a great weekend, everybody.